Ben, Bands are stressful, Shiny Joe, Ovid, Duvois, Martinez, Mubutu, Ozu, Bokia, the list goes on and on, America, yo, once a time it was all about the rhyme, now somehow it's all about rhyme, like we're all doing time, and yeah, we can't go to prisons, I don't understand what you think that you're getting for your money, it's funny how we set priorities, same pigs who oppress the poor and minorities, the biggest criminals all get reelected. Naive, but somehow I expected more from the self-described land of the free. Well, life has a price. Freedom has a fee. Some of you might say that I'm unrealistic. Chris Jansen, welcome to the End Evil Podcast. The End Evil Podcast is dedicated to ending evil whenever and wherever possible. The End Evil Podcast is based on the book The End Evil End of All Evil by Jeremy Locke. End Evil Podcast is brought to you today live streaming on the One Great Work Network. Thanks to the hard work of Mark Passio. And people that have helped Mark Passio along the way, volunteers and helpers, much appreciate all your help and work to make this possible. Thank you today for checking out the end of <laughs> the end evil podcast. Today we're working on reading our way through the book, The End of All Evil, which I find to be a great foundation for thinking about subjects, matters of truth. End of All Evil is just a great book packed with so much information available to everyone that could change the minds of many people if they were able to really sink in all these thoughts, to let all these thoughts think, sink in deep and to think about them. It could really change the world. These thoughts are revolutionary from the way most of us were raised in this society, bowing to authority, believing what, what we're told, doing what we think is right, but not ever really thinking about what is really right and what is right for everyone and how we're all connected to one another and how everything we do matters. So today, let's get started on chapter two. Last week I read chapter one. Oh, the week before last I read chapter one. Later I will be putting these readings together in an audio book so folks can download it from the website. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and just read through the chapter two for you tonight. And then at the end of the reading, if there's still some time left in the hour, we'll have some discussion about the reading. So I'm just going to go right to the slide so you can read along and check out um, the words of Jeremy Locke yourself. We'll start with this chapter two begins with the subheading Earth. Earth. There is a dark conspiracy which has clouded the minds of humanity throughout the ages. This conspiracy is evil incarnate and controls vast mountains of human emotions, work, thought, and speech. It has been responsible for the deaths of hundreds upon hundreds of millions and the slavery of nearly every being who has ever lived. If you can accept a single principle, that you have infinite worth, then this book will give you the vision necessary to see the world as it truly is. 
to know once and for all that this dark conspiracy is not strong, but weak, that evil is not growing, but dying. Principle versus Law To understand how evil controls people, it is necessary to understand the difference between a principle and law. A principle is a truth that creates freedom. A law is a lie that creates slavery. Principles describe reality. They are knowledge that help you to make use of your world. Because of your intelligence, you recognize principles in everything you do. Every true thing you learn is a principle. The movements of your hands, which foods taste good, mathematics, and empathy for a friend are all based on principles. Laws are artificial ideas created by evil men to restrict the thinking and understanding of people. Laws mask themselves in authority so that they can impersonate principles. When people mistake law for principle, their freedom is restricted. When people mistake truth for the ideas of authority, their abilities and their wisdom are diminished. This is the purpose of law. An example of a principle can be found in thermodynamics. A liquid is cooler than a gas. This is a principle. Because this is a principle, it does not restrict us, but enables us. Using this principle, we can condense and expand a substance between gas and liquid to create refrigeration. With this principle, we have more understanding and more power. Principles are truths that create freedom. An example of a law can be found in the culture of royalty. A commoner owes homage to the king. This is a law. Because this is a law, it destroys freedom and enslaves. Under this law, a person must neglect usage of their minds, their speech, and their actions. They must believe that they are worth less than the king. Notice that unlike principle, there is no truth in law. It is entirely possible to disrespect the king and therefore to break the law. Law must be enforced because there is no truth in it. A law destroys freedom because it is a lie. A principle, however, creates freedom because it is knowledge. That which destroys freedom is evil. Simplicity The world is simpler than it pretends. Complexities are found in every aspect of our cultures, politics, and economies. Every day, people are introduced to new ideas, new spin, new views, or a new symptom of our world. Many of these ideas are perversions of principle, designed to engineer specific reactions from people. Evil societies invent ideas to destroy the free thinking of people. Some of history's names for these ideas have been socialism, fascism, racism, communism, democracy, class warfare, political correctness, 
propriety, decency, royalty, and terrorism. All of these ideas are created for exactly the same purpose. They are all vehicles to confuse the minds of the victims of slavery. They are all evil. You are capable of understanding everything in the world around you. Your intelligence is not limited. Distortions and complexities are introduced into your understanding so that evil men can control you. Evil wants you to believe that you are incapable of understanding your own world. When you understand the magnitude of your own worth, evil will fail. There are two principles relevant to understanding the concept of intelligence. The first is simplicity. The principle of simplicity states that intelligence recognizes truth. When any truth is presented in pure form, all people are capable of understanding it. There is no truth that you cannot learn. This is the principle of simplicity, that intelligence recognizes truth. The second principle is the principle of obfuscation. Obfuscation is the distortion of principle. Obfuscation is the creation of false ideas in order to hide truth. Sometimes, this is simply adding ideas on top of truth to disguise the nature of the original truth. Even ideas that seem entirely appropriate can be used to bury simple truths. Obfuscation is used by evil to confuse the minds of people. Obfuscation distorts principles so that people will be unable to learn. Evil uses obfuscation so that you will be unable to gain wisdom. It does this to limit your freedom. Culture knows that people will discover fewer truths if they are focused on artificial complexities. As children grow, they learn that seemingly complex ideas are actually basic and simple principles. What may have seemed impossible to understand at one point becomes wonderful once understood. It is good to gain wisdom. With wisdom, you can do anything. Your search for knowledge will become easier for you as you shed any notion of your own inferiority. Evil uses obfuscation to make people feel inferior. You are not inferior to other people, and you are not inferior to ideas. You have infinite worth. Who you are. As a human being, you are very special. You are unlike the minerals, the plants, or the animals of earth. Nothing commands the abilities of intelligence like you. Nothing else has such complete and total ambition to satisfy dreams. Nothing else has the desire or the thirst for knowledge that you possess. You are a human being. There is no limit to your nature. There is no end to your capacity for understanding or for happiness. As a human being, 
Your life is not subject to any will except your own. You require no permission, favor, or license to learn and grow. Anything that you desire can be yours. People naturally seek happiness in their lives, and the most common and deepest desire is for the love and strength of their families. Everything you do enhances security, peace, and prosperity for yourself and those you love. Your ability to create these things from the desires of your heart is properly defined as faith. With faith, you will find joy in every walk of your life. Faith Faith is the courage to test ideas for truth. With faith, people discover whether ideas are true or false. With faith, people learn principles. People use faith to take steps in testing principles. We often fail, but we always learn. Imagine walking over a rocky surface. Perhaps you expect that the surface is solid and will not shift. If you expected firm ground but found movement, you may stumble. When the ideas you are testing are wrong, your test will fail. Your intelligence helps you to adjust your thinking, to better understand the principles of walking. You learn to control your balance in spite of the difficult terrain. You use faith to test your new understanding and soon can traverse successfully and quickly. You are mastering principles. Anytime human beings put principles into action, they will feel power, excitement, and joy. The realization of intelligence is what people seek. Some examples are a little child proudly showing his parents that he has learned to tie his shoes, or a student mastering an understanding of mathematics, or a husband and wife resolving an argument. These are the discovery of principles by the test of faith. The application of faith to principle brings wisdom. Freedom is necessary. The destruction of freedom prevents people from using faith. It prevents people from testing their understanding of principles. When we are not free to take steps, we cannot learn and we cannot grow. Love, prosperity, and knowledge are all things that are only possible with freedom. Freedom brings everything good. As a human being, the degree of freedom that you require is infinite. Freedom is the infinite value of the human being. If evil destroys freedom in any area of your life, it can limit your wisdom, your love, and your joy. Danger. There are people who would destroy your freedom. They want to control you so that you cannot become the person you want to be. In order to control you, they use force to take away the liberty that you were born with. You must never underestimate the prowess or cruelty of evil people. Evil will confiscate money, destroy virtue, 
and spill blood. Most people are not evil. Most people try to create and not to destroy. However, evil people do exist and they are extremely dangerous. They are called authority. Authority. There is no authority on earth that can rightfully govern your life. Born to this world, you and you alone control your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your hands, and your mind. All authority which claims to be able to dispose of you and your abilities is deceit. You were born to this world so that you might have the free agency of life. Life is liberty. With liberty and faith in this world, you can learn and do anything. Anyone who tells you that you must yield your mind, your body, or your possessions to authority is evil. Understand that choices made of your own free will are not evil. There's nothing wrong with sacrifice if it is made willingly. But sacrifice without choice is not sacrifice. It is slavery. Authority always places demands on people by force. Authority never asks permission. Obscured. The simplest authorities are common thieves. They use extortion or stealth to confiscate things that you value. They can steal money, virtue through rape, or life through murder. By their actions, they are teaching you that your worth is inferior to theirs. The tool of their authority is violence. There are other, far more powerful authorities in your everyday life. They are dramatically more dangerous, more profitable, and more subtle. They teach you, through distorted ideas, that you are not capable or worthy of living free. Authorities teach that other people can manage your life better than you can. With a callous disregard for your worth, you are commanded to behave according to someone else's ideas. The height of danger can be seen in the extent to which these commands are commonly accepted as good. We know them as culture. You will find such subterfuge everywhere you have value in your life. If something is valuable to you, you can be sure that someone, somewhere, is willing to take it from you. Will they bear the same evil as the common thief? The methods of sophisticated culture are normally much, much more powerful. Evil. Evil is the destruction of freedom. It cannot be stated more simply. Everywhere you look, you will find the obfuscation of evil. There are countless ideas which are taught about the nature of evil. Every false idea is created by evil to hide truth from you. Evil is not darkness, and it's not a frightening unknown. Evil is not some mystical psychology of man, nor is it inherent in our natures. It is not supernatural, and it most definitely exists.
As with all principles, the principle of evil is simple. Evil is the destruction of freedom. When free, you can build glory, peace, prosperity, and joy into the world. Around you, you will find all these things. Men and women like you built these things. Evil enslaves. Evil is found in words such as force, compulsion, tax, violence, theft, censure, and politics. Notice that in such things there is no joy. None have any value to humanity. Control. Evil seeks to be a master over you. Evil wants you to be a slave. Whatever we consider as real slavery is indeed only one form of slavery. The African slaves in the United States were compelled to work and toil for other people's benefit. Their lives were mostly controlled for the benefit of the master, but they had some very limited freedoms. Some were able to create distinct traditions and maintain families. They did their best to build joy into their lives despite the tyranny wrought upon them. Because they were in control of portions of their lives, were they free? How much freedom does a person deserve? How much freedom can be destroyed before we recognize that it is evil? Slavery is not a concept of totality. Slavery exists wherever the freedom of man is destroyed. Theft and bullying are always slavery. In history, African natives, Jews, and many others have experienced lifelong slavery. The ultimate slavery is murder. Slavery stops people from being able to make choices for their own lives. Everything that restricts your mind, your movements, in your speech is evil. Slavery is found in both the partial and complete destruction of freedom. Evil compels you to behave in manners that do not benefit you or those you love. Culture and law exercise overwhelming force in the name of propriety and public good. They destroy freedom and put human lives under other people's control. So that's the end of chapter 2. I did this last week, and I'm going to go ahead and read this again this week. It's a great addition to the reading from the book, The End of All Evil, Natural Law as Defined by Mark Passio. A set of universal, inherent, objective, non-man-made, eternal, and immutable conditions which govern the consequences of behaviors of beings with the capacity for understanding the difference between harmful and non-harmful behavior. So is there a type of law that's not evil? Natural law? Yes. The law that is being spoken of in the book The End of All Evil is man's law when he speaks of law being evil. The natural law is a way of describing what already exists 
in the universe, what we're born into, what's inherent, what's all around us, that you you can't change. Natural means inherent, having a basis in nature, reality and truth, which means it's not made or caused by humankind, pre-existing conditions. And law is an existing condition which is binding and mutable, cannot be changed. So the word law, depending on how it's used and what other words it's put with, can mean a different thing. The type of law that we're talking about most of the time, what the way people use the word commonly, is what Jeremy Locke is describing as evil because it's man's law, it's made up. It's someone just saying, hey, this is what's right. And just like in times of kings and and uh, dictators, when you have one person creating an edict and forcing it upon other people that have no choice, it's going to be um, a disruption of freedom. So what I found interesting in my own personal journey, when I first discovered the work of Mark Passio. I started listening to the What on Earth is Happening podcasts when I had a job working for the government, actually. I was working at the Superior Court in Sonoma County as a maintenance man. And it was an interesting time to be learning and discovering these things about truth and freedom. And so many of them seem so very simple and basic but were confused in my mind, um, covered up with layers of fiction, basically. And once you've sort of built a castle in your mind of beliefs and you've added decorations of half-truths on those beliefs, it's really hard to tear them all back down. But for many of us, we've had to go through a process of shedding our old, formerly held beliefs and getting down to the base structure of what life is really about. I think some folks struggle with the fact that we're even here for a purpose. I think that idea is probably challenging, maybe even to someone who's listening to this. But I will put it forward that all life here has purpose. It's born with so much, as Locke puts it, infinite potential. You, it has Inside of that potential is the question inherent in this experience is the question why? Why is it so amazing? Why do we have infinite potential? Why is there such thing of infinite freedom? We can see in the world around us that there are boundaries. There are edges to things. You know, like a cliff is a good example. You're walking along the edge of the cliff. It's very you can't help but be very aware that this is the line between life and death. So many of the principles that Jeremy Locke describes are things that we recognize. And our infinite worth really comes into question when, like I'm saying, when you put yourself in a position where death is nearby. For instance, a cliff. You can't help but to be careful and to care for your life because deep down you know that you are valuable. And you value this time you have and this opportunity to have this experience. The opportunity to have this experience is your freedom. And so just by the desire to want to live and go forward, 
You're in acceptance of what I'm saying. You are already naturally fighting to survive. It's part of life. It's built in. It comes with the package. It's woven into the fabric. I think of animals when they're trapped. It's almost amazing to believe that an animal will bite its own foot off to get out of a trap. But it's a fact of nature. And that aspect of nature that wants to fight and that wills, you know, uh, grass or uh, weed to grow through a concrete or water over time break through a dam Dr- one drip at a time can cut a hole in anything it's amazing the power of the principles on earth look at what wind can do I've spent many of my years working outdoors and the elements are very difficult to deal with sometimes and I've noticed that wind is much more difficult than a hot, just the hot sun or just some rain. Wind blowing on you is is an extremely intense force. And our whole landscapes are affected and blown by the wind and changed. Can you see wind? You can't really see it itself. You can only see the effects of it. So it's a good example of principles. Some other things that remind me of principles are things like electricity that you don't see, but you do see how they affect things. Kinetic energy, potential energy, gravity. Uh, Waves, like um, gamma waves or radiation waves, microwaves, powerful forces that can be measured, that can be recognized, and that can be harnessed in some cases. So we know they're there, we know they're real, there's absolutely no doubt these things are real and true. And yet, they cannot all be seen. Some of them can be heard or touched. You know, we can we can experience aspects of principles, hard principles of reality through our senses. And that's one of the opportunities, the freedoms we have, is to have these senses. So this is all very natural, simple things that we realize throughout life. Yet, what makes them complicated? What makes it all get, get complex? all the decorations and stories that get added on top of these basic simple truths. So I think one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about in this episode that I was thinking about is how difficult it is when speaking with folks to talk about truth. Because for many folks, it's confusing to hear us say there's truth that needs to be discovered because most folks assume that they already know the truth about things. However, in many cases, people are adopting beliefs and substituting those beliefs as truth. Many examples can be shown in today's, anything on the news, for instance. People will be quick to jump to a conclusion, say they know something to be true. For instance, all the lies around the subject of the sickness, the so-called COVID sickness. People believe that you know, hundreds of thousands of people are dying and this is a very important thing that we need to change our lifestyle over. When when I looked at the facts and data myself that I'm able to find, the simple truth seems to be that it's not the case, that this sickness does not even compare to other things that are much more dangerous around us, like uh, cars, for instance, and freeways, or maybe even something more deadly and simple 
like sugar thing right on your table that you eat a little bit of it every day until it screws you up over time. The slow kill is the method of the current warfare that we're under. It's hard to re-realize every few days myself that we humans at this point in time are actually involved in warfare. It does not seem like the warfare of the past. We're not dodging bombs and uh, carrying around rifles and shooting bullets yet. However, there is warfare going on every day all around us in many forms. And most of it is just in the form of attacks, harm that's being done to the general public. And most of it has been done psychologically. If you think about it, over the many years of different people who have tried to take over the world, whether it was Alexander the Great or the Nazis with Hitler or whoever in the past before him, the Huns, <coughs> the Huns or the hordes of the steppe from the Mongolians, all these people in the past that have tried to control and own people around the world to enslave others eventually have crumbled. They can uh, do their deeds, their evil deeds, for a long time. They can kill and rape, pillage, do lots of harm, and many people will have to join them because they fear for their lives and they don't see any other chance for any semblance of freedom other than to be a slave of these tyrannical forces. But over time, tyrannical forces have realized that when you're leading a force of people and you're the figurehead, you're also a target. And many of these leaders do not live to be very long because they're living such tumultuous lives and they make themselves such a highlighted person that everybody knows and eventually you're going to be hunted down. But what kind of intelligent sinister force would keep falling for the same mistake? Evil's smarter than that. Evil's taken a new form in the modern age. Hiding behind banks and hiding behind money and hiding behind things like religion, hiding behind laws and government, evil is very sneaky. It's found ways to cloak itself. That's the whole game. Obfuscation. Obfuscation is to hide, to keep something hidden, to find a way to color it, to use a bit of truth, just enough to engage people's attention, but not enough to let them see what it really means beneath. So back to my experience at the time that I spent seeing the law happening around me at the Superior Court. What I recognized was misery, an ongoing misery on both sides of the windows of so-called justice. And the courtrooms and benches was an endless supply of pain and struggle and very little resolution for people involved. Why is this? You start to wonder. Well, because... It has to do with a lot of extra complications. Think of how the law works. It's always a trick or a turn. If the wording isn't right on the contract, or if there's some loophole in the language of the law, then maybe some person will be able to escape and another person will not. One person will wind up in jail. Another person who has more money 
which is the actual leverage in this world of evil, can escape the same punishment that would keep a poor person enslaved for many years in a jail. You have to wonder uh, another thing about our society, jail itself. Is it even a right thing to do, to lock people up the way we do? I don't think it would be even necessary in an anarchic society. The only time you would ever need to trap somebody is when they were acting so wild that they needed to be contained momentarily until you could find a way to cool them off or deal with them in such a way that they couldn't hurt people. And there are many options for that that do not always involve destruction of the being. We have many places on earth that many humans can barely survive. And that is a good place for people who cannot contain themselves. I think there are ways on this planet to deal with all problems. I think there are plants to deal with all sicknesses. I think there's a solution to every problem. However, I've grown up in a time when the truth is so hidden, and so um, secluded from public knowledge that it takes almost a lifetime just to wake up. Wake up enough to see things for what they are. So, I think what's hard for someone regarding the subject of truth is that I am telling you that the words of this book, The End of All Evil, for instance, are pointing straight at truth. The real truth, the biggest truth that exists, is that what it's really all about deep down is about freedom or not freedom. And that's what has a lot to do with good and bad really are, is the restriction of freedom, which is basically the hampering of the basic real aspect of life that is born, that is uh, pre-existing, that you were born into. And that's what we are describing here in this book, is this opportunity, this amazing opportunity we have to do anything, to move our hands, to move our eyes, to walk around on this planet. And yet other humans want to come along and restrict that, or use that energy that you have for their own personal wants and needs and that's such a disrespect of what reality is which brings me to the subject of God the subject of God is a difficult one many of people like myself grew up in a religious setting where people were trained indoctrinated um, through repetition through emotional ties through repetition of certain events on certain dates that emotionally tie us through, f- through family ties and through these moments like Christmas where we, we hold in our heart all these moments that are related to our religious upbringing, these stories that we were um, repeating and hearing over and over throughout our childhood that teach us inside of these stories. For instance, I grew up in the Christian church, and inside of the stories in the Bible, there's much wisdom. I I still um, use the parables of Jesus often to uh, for cases of discernment or to think about what's right and wrong. They're great. These parables represent truths. They represent principles. However, the stories themselves really don't matter much. You know, whether it was an old man and his two sons or an old woman and her two daughters or 
you know, the, the color and size and shape of things is not what's important. It's the principle that the stories tell. And this is where things get pretty confused inside religion. Because so often religion wants to do is take these basic truths and dress them up with these great stories. And maybe parts of these stories are true and historical in certain ways. And maybe they've been distorted. The point is we don't really know for certain. We've got to stick with what we know. If anything I ever say is true, then it's something you can discover for yourself. It's not true because I said it. It's true because you know it. And that's talking about you, the thinker, the listener. There's no more powerful force we have than to consult our inner self and to be able to think about something and logically analyze it and then analyze it with our deeper self and then to discuss it with others. There are many ways to process details and come up with truth. However, it must be done on an individual basis. And that's what's so amazing about humans is that we have the freedom to discover these things. And that's the process of faith is really the discovery of truth. We, we, we faithfully move forward based on guesses and making our best choices and knowing that there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be things that are going to go wrong. There's going to be setbacks. But that's part of the learning process. That's how we discover truth. If somebody inhibits you from taking those steps forward, imagine a child that was never allowed to learn to walk. Wouldn't that be an injustice? That would be a type of stealing to keep a child from walking. I've heard of um, some cultures where feet are bound when kids are babies. That's an evil practice. See how simple it comes to discern truth when you spend a lot of time thinking about harmful versus not harmful, freedom or not freedom. It really answers every small question someone might have about where the line is drawn between what's right and what's wrong. Does it harm another person? Is it taking away from the freedom of one person or many people? If it's destroying freedom, then it's evil. And this should be something we teach at the from the very beginning of life and something that was never taught to me. In fact, most people I've spoken to, I think over the period of time in my life and met, really struggle with the fact that there is a such thing of morality. And they think it's something that can be different depending on where you are in the world or what religion you are. Then you can have different sets of morals. In my head, I like the term ethics to describe the things that sort of, the nuances of right and wrong. Surely there are some nuances to right and wrong on smaller things. For instance, let me give a small example. Some people's house you go to, they might ask you to take your shoes off before you come in the house. Now, someone made that request of you, and you decided to just ignore them and walk around their house with your shoes anymore. That would be disrespectful, and that would be wrong, right? Um, Is that evil? It's starting to be, because as you disrespect someone, you harm them. You harm their feelings. But it's not the type of evil thing that would really require a drastic consequence. It would be a more of a communication issue. So there's nuances. There's a the point being here. 
and these nuances within good and evil, I would say, are something that we define with ethics. You know, that's something we personally decide where we want to stand on certain issues and how we want to deal with these sort of nuances. But the basic concepts of good and evil should be very simple and apply in every country, in every part of the world, wherever you are, wherever you go. The same thing is simply don't harm and do treat others like you would want to be treated. However, this isn't taught in school. This is not going to ever be advertised on the news, and it's not going to be understood in a world that is completely run by folks that are doing evil things from the very top. So let's take a look at one of these slides here from the book. Um, I think I kind of talked about the one in front of us here, Earth. <coughs> and then we were spending some time talking about the principles and our opportunity to move our hands and all this type of thing. I really liked this particular saying here. This, to me, is a little bit um, apropos or perfect for the time we're living through right here. Laws mask themselves in authority so that they can impersonate principles. How funny that he would have used the word mask here because that's exactly what we see going on with mask wearing is authority using this sort of hyped up reason to scare people into a state of fear to believe that they need to fear authority and that they need to subservient act subservient to authority and do as they're told based on a fear of a sickness. What are some of the other fears that authority have used traditionally to get people to do what they want them to do? Um, fears of war, fears of terrorism, Fears of food famine. In so many cases through history, we can see where governments have used these various fears to enslave people, to better control them. After people are put into a state of shock, like the money system is falling apart, for instance, an economic downturn, people get nervous because it affects their survival, their ability to survive their ability to do day-to-day -day things that make them feel comfortable to protect their families. And when people feel this way, they're willing to do things that they would not normally do. And without a firm grip on natural law, understanding of natural law, that it's wrong to for force and coerce others into doing anything, that people fall for this trap of thinking it's okay to have armed forces of police or security enforcing rules which are not always in alignment with the natural law. And often, more often than not, they're going to be likely to not be aligned with natural law. And why is that? There's been a long history all through time of this trend we see of humans enslaving other humans. When will it stop? Has, it ever, has there ever been a time in history when it was not this way? I'm not sure. It's it's really hard for us as humans to conceive of the world that I am trying to describe because we haven't experienced it. We haven't really been giving a very good picture of this possibility of how it could look. And people tend to fear the unknown. 
And that's why the future is always going to freak people out. And if you predict terrible things happening, people become fearful, and then you can sell them the idea of what it is that you want. And this is how it's done by governments and tyrannical forces. It was done, you know, 10 or 12 years ago by the threat of terror, terrorism in the form of um, false flag attacks. And then we followed that up with more fear around um, laws right here in this own country based on mass shootings, you know, which is very similar to terrorism. These uh, Often these events were followed up by many questions of aspects of these stories that don't make sense. And we find out that there's a CIA agent or FBI agent who is involved with, closely involved with the, the, the shooters or their families. So often, if we take the time and follow these little threads and see where the money comes from, we find out things like the Bay of Tonkin where the precedent was set by our country that we should start, we should continue a war in Vietnam based on a boat being sank when the truth was there was never any boat sank. It was just a way to manipulate the minds of the public. So we know how often in history this has been done and how easily people's attention has been diverted. Another good example, the Pearl Harbor attack that was known about in the armed forces in the higher ranks. It was known about all through government, and the, yet it was never stopped. It was never, the people were not warned to move out of the way. Um, they were left to get destroyed because it made the perfect precedent for entering the World War II, which is what those in power wanted at the time. So many of these choices are always going to be fueled by money and power and greed. How do we change this dynamic? Well, as individuals, we need to deeply understand the words of the book, The End of All Evil. We need to deeply understand the importance of our freedom and really come to recognize our true worth. One amazing thing about that has occurred to me about our worth, it's what's difficult to understand about the worth of human beings is that there's so many of us, there's so many humans running around, there's so many people on this planet, and many of us get locked into sort of a rut and a routine in our life, whether it's going to work or school. And so many cases, these are situations where people are forced to do what they're told or do something that they don't really want to do, that they're sort of becoming a drudgery. In these cases, it makes you feel not very valuable. You look at um, ants, for instance, how small ants are. And when you find some ants in your kitchen, for instance, you can just wipe them out so easily. It doesn't usually make most people feel that bad to kill a bunch of ants. And that is kind of how many humans start feeling about themselves because they notice that we're prolific like the ants. There's lots of us all around. And that so many people seem to not care about much are just going about their day-to-day things and doing what they're doing. And then we have things like war, where um, half a million people sometimes died in one day. And sickness after war, you know, half a million more people die. 
in a short amount of time. When we as humans conceive of all these dangers and how uh, human life can be so quickly wiped away, it forces us to begin to have this idea that we're not really worth that much. However, we know deep down in our personal experience that every moment is an opportunity and we're lucky to have it. But we get so bogged down. And what is it that bogs us down and that makes us feel so uh, enslaved? Well, it's the overarching authority around us in so many ways feeling trapped, feeling like you have to do things a certain way because the structure is in place. As we begin to rethink about reality and find our own human potential, this can change because we think differently when we understand uh, principles. Much like he described in the other slide about thermodynamics, you know, you can access something like refrigeration when you understand thermodynamics. It's an incredible leverage to be able to build things and make things and engineer things. And this is not possible without the power of principles. So the principle we're describing here is the principle of recognizing truth, of recognizing that there is a, somehow all this creation, everything we're in here, was created. And it is amazing. It's full of so much complexity and, and uh you can look deeply into any subject and find so much detail and, and, and endless. You can study endlessly any little thing, any little living thing, any flower. And there's always more to be learned and, and studied. What could have created such an amazing realm that we live in? You know, this points to the great architect, the grand creator of everything. And in some religions, they try to anthropomorphize this force and turn like God into this angry guy in the sky who throws thunderbolts. But when you just think and observe and be and let things be as they are, you recognize that whatever this reality is, whatever it created, there's, there's, there's a lot to it. It's extremely amazing. And, and it's a really lucky thing to have this moment to be alive. And what should we do at this moment? Well, there is a certain pressure and responsibility in that we've been given this gift of life and we have the opportunity to use these bodies and communicate and think and figure things out. It must be for a reason. Well, that's the conclusion that I come to when I've thought about it for many years. And that's what I'm here to share with you on the End Evil podcast, is that there is a reason why we're here, and that reason is to discover truth. And we only do that by thinking about it and studying it and working on it, just like anything. You build muscle by exercising and having a experience of what doesn't work. So this recording of the book, The End of All Evil, I'm going to consolidate into an audio video format which will be downloaded, downloadable in the future. And I'll make that available 
But for the time being, I'm going to continue next week with Chapter 3. For those of you who are checking out this episode, thanks so much for coming. If you haven't yet, I recommend going on over to endevil.life website and checking out all the content there. There's a lot of interviews and if you go to the donate to end evil tab you can see a good spot where you can buy your end evil shirt. So thanks so much folks for coming to the show. I'll see you next week. This is Chris, signing out.